0: week number four in our study of the book of Daniel. Remember last week we finally got into the scriptures and looked at the first 16 verses of chapter one. In those, Daniel begins the book by rehearsing um, what we read over in 2 Kings that uh, in the third year of Jehoiakim that Nebuchadnezzar came and seized Jerusalem. And when that siege took place, He took off back to Babylon scores of people, mainly the nobles and the king's family and uh, people of repute in the land of Jerusalem in this first siege. There would later be two more sieges in which they would ultimately finally decimate and destroy the temple and the city of Jerusalem. But in this first siege, it's mainly just a time when they come and they um, basically show... Jehoiakim that he cannot rebel against Nebuchadnezzar, that he's going to come and take his people, he's going to take everybody of significance and take them back to Babylon. In that first wave of people, Daniel is included. So this is the time when Daniel (coughs) is taken to Babylon. You remember that he was one of the scores of young men who were chosen to be trained in the way of the Chaldeans. They would teach them the literature. They would teach them the religion. Um, they would teach them uh, the language of the Chaldeans, mainly as an effort to brainwash and to uh, indoctrinate these young, impressionable men into the way of the Chaldeans. They were well-treated. They were um, you know, in the palace. They were being trained. They were being educated. They were being well-fed. You remember part of that was that they were given the same food that the king would eat. But as young Hebrew men, this food would cause them to defile themselves. And so Daniel and his three friends um, decided that they would not partake of that food if it was God's will for that to happen. And so Daniel, in a very respectful way, um, very humble way, um, very eloquent way, goes to the overseer who had been put in charge of him and requests a test. A test of ten days when they would eat nothing but vegetables and water. And at the end of that time, he could then compare them to all the other guys who were eating. Apparently, nobody else had any trouble with this. They were all eating the king's food. And so after, the, you remember the story, he does that. After ten days, they are look better and are fatter than all the guys who have been eating the rich king's food. And so um, somewhat surprised, the overseer is delighted that they don't look haggard. He doesn't have to uh, explain why they don't look good. And so he continues to give them food and uh, vegetables and water as their diet. Apparently this probably went on for all three of the years that they were to be trained. Remember the kings made a decree that these young men would be brainwashed, they'd be indoctrinated for three years, and then after those three years, they would enter into the king's service, meaning they would do whatever he directed them to do. These were young guys, probably 11, 12, 13, 14 maybe, something like that, so by the time this training is over, they're still teenagers, they're still young people, and Daniel's one of them, we don't know exactly how old he was, um, but certainly not out of his teens. Um, by the time the uh, three years are ended. So that's kind of where we left it off last week, that the, um, they had won this victory, really, that God had blessed them greatly. They would have clearly understood that it was a blessing from the Lord, that as they restrained from defiling themselves, that he then made them fatter and look better than the rest of the people. And so um, a, a great victory for them. And no longer, they didn't have to worry about defiling themselves. So that's where we left off. So this week we'll begin reading in Daniel chapter 1, verse 17. And I want to read all the way down through chapter 2 and verse 12. It's kind of hard to find breaks in here that actually match to an hour. talking. So um, we're going to kind of overlap here. So beginning in Daniel chapter 1, verse 17, there the scripture reads. As for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Then at the end of the days which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and out of them all, not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. As for a matter of wisdom, as for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all the, his realm. And Daniel continued for the first year of Cyrus the king. Now, in the second year of, ne- of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. Then his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king gave orders to call in the magicians and the conjurers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. The king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to understand the dream. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell the dream to your servants, and we will declare the interpretation. The king replied to the Chaldeans, The command from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb, and your houses will be made a rubbish heap. But if you declare the dream and its interpretation, you will receive from me gifts and a reward and great honor. Therefore, declare to me the dream and and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, Let the king tell the dream to his servants, and we will declare the interpretation. The king replied, I know for certain that you are bargaining for time, inasmuch as you have seen seen that the command from me is firm, that if you do not make the dream known to me, there is only one decree for you. You have agreed together to speak lying and corrupt words before me until the situation is changed. Therefore, tell me the dream that I may know that you can declare to me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on the earth who declared the matter for for the king, inasmuch as no king or ruler has ever asked anything like this of any magician, conjurer, or Chaldean. Moreover, the thing which the king demands is difficult, and there is no one else who could declare it to the king except God's, whose dwelling place is not with mortal flesh. Because of this, the king became indignant and very furious and gave orders to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. Okay, so this passage we want to try and walk through. Now, last week you noticed that Daniel... Um, was right at the very beginning of the captivity. I mean, we only covered ten days of the captivity. But here in verse 17, he writes a statement that kind of sweeps through all the time that they're in this captivity. He says, "For these four, As for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. And we know that is much, much later when Daniel is still interpreting dreams. As a matter of fact, it's after the Babylonian capti- captivity, he's still having visions and still interpreting them. And so this goes on, <coughs> this Daniel interpreting dreams, for better than 70 years, probably 75 or 80 years. So do you think during the time when Daniel? Is being trained during those three years. That they were being taught literature and the language of the Chaldeans. Was it, during that time did were was he interpreting dreams and visions? What do you think? Just a thought here.
1: Yeah. I think so. Yeah. It was the second years of uh, Nebuchadnezzar, so he's been there. He's still being taught within those three years.
0: But well, that's debatable, right? And we'll talk about it when we get to chapter 2 in verse 1. <laughs> what does the second year of King Nebuchadnezzar really mean? So we'll, we'll save that until we get over there. But I think that probably that he must have had some ability during that time to interpret dreams. Because when it comes time in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar, he doesn't hesitate to believe that he can not only interpret the dream, but know what the dream was without being told. Because that's what King Nebuchadnezzar is asking here, right? right. You tell me not only the interpretation, you tell me the dream. And that's that's where the conflict is at, right? All right, so, potentially during this time of, <coughs> of training, he, he could have been interpreting some dreams. Now, what, what strikes you about verse 17. What's the most significant point about verse 17, in keeping with the theme of Daniel? It's called, it's God of Daniel.
1: God,
0: yeah, it's not that these guys were so wise and they were so intelligent or that they um, were you know, uh, fast starters or anything like that. They may have been, but that's not why they excelled in the understanding of the literature and the language and religion and all of that, right? It's because God gave them the understanding. So this is God specifically to four young men uh, enlightening their minds. Go ahead.
2: But wouldn't you say that anybody that is a quick starter or smart or whatever, that God gave them that too?
0: Without any question. Any ability, you and this is where some people have real trouble with me, any abilities that you have, any blessing in your life at all, any good thing that has ever happened to you or that you possess or any of that, every single one of those, including the love of your spouse, the children that you have, the love of your children for you, all of that comes from the Father above. That's right every single good thing in your life is a blessing from God. Every single one of them. And we don't think that way. We think, well, I worked hard for 30 years and I saved up some money so I was able to build my dream house. Yes, that's all true, right? But the only reason you had the ability to do that and to earn and to keep and to save and to have the wisdom to invest later is because God gave you that. Every good thing in our life comes from the Father above. Now there are people, you know, and this is where I have a real problem with like um, the pop music that we listen to. Because it's like, I must have done something right for this to happen in my life. No, no, no. The Father is being gracious to you for this to happen in your life. It's not because you live so well or you perform so well or you did something right. But thats you've listened to the music and it's filled with those kinds of thoughts that <coughs> I'm getting what I deserve because I've been so good. Not true. Not true. Any good thing in your life is a blessing that comes from the Father above. whom there is no shifting shadow, James writes, right? Every good thing is from the Father above. You know, we deserve... This is Stuart Scott tell you this, right? Anything, anything apart from going to hell is a blessing from God.
1: Right.
0: Because that's what we all deserve. So we think wrong. These guys, I believe, at this time, were thinking right. They understood at this point that this intelligence, this ability to excel, to be better than all the rest, was not because they were so smart or so good. Now, how can I make that dogmatic statement? How can I be so confident <coughs> that that was true about these four guys? Because they could see the other head. No. They so
2: could they could see what was going Daniel on with Daniel the other guy. writing this, and he yeah. he's doing God's credit. Right. He's saying God gave them the knowledge and intelligence. Wait, attention. and
0: this is Daniel writing this. Listen, um, look over in chapter 2 in verse 29. And this is when Daniel is about to interpret the dream. After He's going to tell Nebuchadnezzar his dream and then interpret it. But look at 29. As for you, O king, while on your bed, your thoughts turn to what would take place in the future. And he who reveals mysteries has made known to you what will take place. But as for me... This mystery has not been revealed to me for any wisdom residing in me more than in any other living man, but for the purpose of making the interpretation known to the king, that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. Here's Daniel, right? He's a guy who nobody else could equal. Right? He knows the dream and its interpretation, and he says it's not because of any good thing in me. That I am able to do. This. this is this is his understanding that God is orchestrating all of this is taking place. You remember back in um, in verse nine of chapter one, I think it's verse nine. Yeah, where God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. Daniel was only able to have his request made uh, heard about eating vegetables and water because God granted it to him. Granted him favor, not only in the uh, commander of the officials here, but as we saw last week, in the man underneath him, to the overseer, over Daniel. The only reason that Daniel was heard and allowed to be tested is because God granted him favor. The only reason Daniel is even in Babylon is because God called Nebuchadnezzar to come down and take the people from Jerusalem. We saw that over in 2 Kings, right? That God gave Judah into Nebuchadnezzar's hands. He used Nebuchadnezzar, an evil king, to accomplish his will. So this is God orchestrating exactly what he wants to take place because he wanted Daniel to write this book so that here, 2,600 years later, we could study this book. And so, these things are being orchestrated by God, which, by the way, is the theme of Daniel, right? That God is in control of everything that happens in his creation. Alright, so we, we go on here, and we've got these guys excelling, doing extremely well, Daniel being under, able to read visions and dreams, and, and then it says... Uh, <clears throat> Then at the end of the days which the king had specified for presenting them, so how long is that from where we were last week? Three
1: years.
0: Three years, right? These guys were to be indoctrinated for three years. At the end of those three years, the commander of the officials, that same guy, presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. Now, what does that sound like? If, if, if you've been trained for three years, and then you're going to be presented before Nebuchadnezzar. I mean, there's some kind of ceremony going on here, right? right. we we'll would be part of it. But what else is true about these guys before Nebuchadnezzar? You to test them. Yeah, it's you to like test them. It's, like it's like doing your oral your master's. Yeah, look at the beginning of the next verse. <coughs> 19, the king talked with them. Now that's not talking with them like giving a speech. This is interviewing um, <clears> them <throat> one-on-one. Now, how do I know that? How do I know that's what he was doing? It says, he compared That's right. He compared each one to all the others, right? And that's what it says. He says that, these, that he found none like these four guys. So he, these are guys who have been trained for three years for this. This you know, everything in preparation to come and sit before the king, the most powerful man on the planet, and to have him examine and question you. So this is pretty intense. Okay, but this is what they had been trained for. And then this is the blessing of God for these four guys. It says, then the king talked with them, and out of them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, or Azariah. Nobody else even came close to these four guys. Now, why is that true? <coughs> I mean, these guys have been vegetarians for, four, for three years, right? Yep. Eating nothing but vegetables and water. So they they should be pretty pathetic compared to all the other guys who have been eating the king's rich food. But that's not true. This is the miracle of God, and it's a blessing, right? So God's very... God very specifically blessed these four young men to accomplish the things that we see in Daniel. This is God orchestrating. All that's happening. I mean, these guys, realize what they did, okay? They, with all the other young guys, the only thing they departed from the others were, was in diet. All the religious teachings, all the language, all the literature, all of that, They understood better than all the others, but they didn't yield to it. They stayed true to their God. They stayed true to their religion. All the others yielded. So in response, God blesses these four guys. Okay? But the only reason they could ever even get to that point was because God granted them favor in the eyes of the overseer. So this is God using even the hearts of evil men to give blessings to Daniel and his four friends, three friends. So the four of them are exceedingly above anybody else in the cause. Okay, and then you notice it goes on, and he's, I mean, Daniel is over the top with this. He says, as for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them not just better, right, not just better than the rest, What?" Ten times. Ten times better than the rest. Now these guys, these were of this class of young men, right? There's, we don't know how many there are, but there's probably a significant number. These four guys are the curve busters. You know what I mean by that? You know what a curve buster is? I can remember. Now, someone asked me this morning when I was in college. I was in college in the 70s, okay? That kind of puts a, a date on me. Okay, so and not just seventy nine either. I'm sorry for you. And college then, and by the way, there were quarters, not semesters. right. 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 You know, my philosophy in college was I can do anything for twelve weeks. So I often took 22, 24 hours when I was going to college because I can do anything for twelve weeks. And actually, it's only eleven then with the finals class. So now finals were tough because I had have seven or eight finals. But nevertheless, that's how I went to school. But I can remember that we the school I went to, you would have pretty difficult tests. So the the class average would be maybe forty or fifty in the forties anyway. And so, you know, passing mark was sixty and above at the a D, but nevertheless, so the professor would have to shift all the grades, okay, you know, by some amount of points, and so you put a normal distribution over it, you you know what a normal distribution is, right, just one standard deviation off the mean, uh, 68% of people are in that, two standard deviations off the mean, 95% of the people are in that, three standard deviations off the mean, 99.7, so everybody's in that, but then there would always be, there's this average down here in the 40s, that's where everybody's grouped. Then there'd be a couple of guys, right, up here in the 80s. Yeah. Those are the curve busters, because the professor could only shift so far, and then those guys would be pushed above 100, which you couldn't do. And so those are the curve busters. Well, the guys in the 80s, when everybody else is in the 40s, are Daniel, Hananiah. <laughs> <laughs> That's who they are. It's those four guys who are busting the curve. I mean, They're ten times better than anybody else. This is, this is not just, well, these guys are a little better than everybody else. This is like the king is astonished because these guys are amazing. Every time he asks them a question in any subject, these guys are the ones with the answers, these four guys. So it's not just Daniel. It's all four of them. So these guys are excelling in God. This is the blessing of God on these four men. Because he wants them to be in high places in this nation. And ultimately they are. And so God's not just blessing them a little bit. He's Let me show you even how much God blessed them. In verse 21, And Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. Now, when is that? Seven some years later. It's 70 years later. Cyrus, we'll talk about Cyrus a good bit later on. It's a different, it's a different people. It's, it's a different, different people. Yeah, That's Persians exactly right. It's the Persians and the Medes, you know, the Medo-Persian uh, Empire, right? So, um, and not only did, now, I don't know what happened to the other three guys, okay? Because it says that Daniel continued to the first year of Cyrus. Now, These guys would have been in their 80s. So maybe they just died a natural old man death. Um, Because, I mean, 80, he's he's old. Okay, but Daniel didn't just last that long. Okay, it's not, I mean, that's not what happened to him. Look down in um, in Daniel chapter 6, in verse 28. Remember we talked about this. That this book of Daniel covers more than 70 years. Some probably closer to 75 or something like that. So in Daniel chapter 6, verse 28. So Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So Cyrus comes in and he defeats Babylon okay, they, just like Babylon the thief of Egypt now 70 years later Persia defeats Babylon and the head guy to the king in the Babylonian empire who would be Daniel his chief advisor the new king takes him to be his chief advisor and he excels even there Now, that doesn't happen, right? You you certainly don't conquer people and then take the number two, the the best advisor, and he becomes your advisor, right? You're not going to trust that guy. But for Daniel, because of the blessing of God, because of the favor of God, he just passes from one dynasty to the other and remains a very significant figure, even to Cyrus. And because Daniel ultimately is the one who goes in and explains to Cyrus all this happening, and why it's happening. And Cyrus believes him, by the way. And so, Daniel is exceptional. Look over in chapter 10. In the very first verse. You'll notice that one of the greatest visions ever given by God to anybody is given here. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, and the message was true and one of great conflict, but he understood the message and had an understanding of the vision, and this vision has over a hundred predictions of what's going to happen in the Grecian and Roman empires, and every single one of them, to a T, was fulfilled. This is one of the greatest visions ever, and it's the third year of Cyrus. This is after Babylon's gone. Daniel's still prominent, still interpreting dreams. He's, we're 73 years removed from then, so he's got to be in his mid-80s. And he's still getting these visions. This vision is amazing. And when we get over there, we'll talk about it. But I want you to see the blessing of God. God didn't bless Daniel and his friends a little bit so they were a little better. They're ten times better than everybody else. This is God's plan, so they'll be from it. All right, so we move on, and now we get to the verse that we were just talking about a couple minutes ago. Now, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. And here's where the critics get on a bandwagon and say, see, here we have a conflict. Because I want you to notice, and and you have to follow their logic. Down in verse 13, you'll notice, so the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they looked for Daniel. Meaning, Daniel was not in training. These guys are no longer in training. They are the wise men of the land. So the training is over. But the training lasted how long?
1: Three years. years.
0: But this is Nebuchadnezzar's (coughs) second year. Now, let me ask you a question. When Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians, who was the king of Babylon? Nebuchadnezzar's father. it may not have been Nebuchadnezzar. It wasn't Nebuchadnezzar. It's his father. Right? Nabopolassar. his father, was king. I now, mean, that makes it even more difficult, right? Because that means from the time when they began to be trained until the end, which was three years, Nebuchadnezzar's not even king yet when that begins. Now we have Nebuchadnezzar in the second year, but Daniel's already completed three years of training. So how could that be? I mean, obviously there's a conflict in the scriptures, right? No. Gotta be. Second year, Daniel gets trained for three years, Well, it all depends on how the Babylonians counted the years of their kings, right? In 605, in about July, is when Jerusalem was seized. Nebuchadnezzar's dad died in, like, August. Nebuchadnezzar took the throne in, like, August, September. Something like that, 605. That's when the training began. And so then we've got to get through three years. Well, the Assyrian, I mean, the Babylonians didn't count the first year as year number one like you and I would. You know, we would say, okay, that's the first year of the reign starting there, right? No, they had what they called a year of accession. You know, when you get ushered in to be the king. And so that's not your first year, that's the year of your accession. And then your first year starts at the end of that year. And then you have your first year, which we would call the second year. And then you have your second year, which we would call the third year. So in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar, after he had been king for three years, this event takes place. So now the critics would say, ah, not true, not true. But I mean, Babylonian literature still exists, and not just a little bit. And so it's clear in their writings that that's the way they counted the king years. Your first year was your year of accession, and then year one, two, three, yeah. Uh. So this is the third year of Nebuchadnezzar being king. Now, it must have happened just after Daniel and his friends got out of training. Because mm-hmm. they were trained for three years and were still in the third year of Nebuchadnezzar, and he became king right at the beginning of their training, just shortly thereafter. So it must still, it must have happened pretty fast. After these guys came before Nebuchadnezzar, no was found uh, that can compare to these guys. They're giving advice, and they're ten times better than everybody else, and then this event takes place. Make sense? Conflict in the Scriptures? Never. Never. Right? Lack of understanding of men? Yes. Good.
1: I think just to emphasize that even further, in the fact they
2: weren't in attendance. They were the two kids on the block. They were wise and Right. Great, but they're still new so he didn't think he called them into the
0: course. You notice that? Because when they cause all the sorcerers and the conjurers and uh, uh, the Chaldeans to come together, <coughs> Daniel and his friends aren't in the group. They're brand new. Just have graduated. But um, Is that what
2: they were being taught? I mean what 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 was the manner of their teaching? Are we talking just cultural and everything like that, or would well, they be trained in these arts, or we, they, they talk, didn't perform I
0: mean, them. the way that Daniel states it is we were trained in the language and in the literature. So they were taught, and literature to them would not have been um, just what we call literature. It would have included all their sciences, okay. all their astronomy, <clears throat> all their math, all of that. These guys were trained in all of that. So it's not just, when we say literature, we mean the writings of the Babylonians, all the subjects. And these guys were pretty, pretty advanced. You know, and it, This was the cultural center and learning center of the world, we thought, would have been in Babylon. By the way, I was looking at this on the map. Babylon is very close to modern day, was right. right. yeah. in Iraq. The whole Mesopotamia, the whole Fertile Valley, is in Iraq, okay? But it's very close to the city of uh, Baghdad. So just keep that in your mind as we go through this, right? Yeah, it's not—it's not in it's not the same exact location, but it's very, very close to the same exact location.
1: I'm just curious in, in that culture. You
0: got sorcerers and magicians, magicians. and
1: yeah, is, are they associated with the
0: learned, like Daniel and them? Absolutely, going through? absolutely. These are these are the wise men of the land. So this even, isn't Mary the Palm Reader. No, no, no. <laughs> you, remember, <laughs> you remember even in the time of Moses when they were in Egypt and they would throw down a snake, their rod became a snake. Well, magicians could do the same thing. So it's that kind of thing. These are the these are the prominent guys. These are the guys who no know stuff that nobody else knows. This is like
1: okay. the forerunners of the Magi.
0: could be the forerunners of the Magi I and mean, later come to see Jesus. Very well could be. Or they could have come from further west. East. But um, anyway, so you you get what's going on here in in verse one. is is just <laughs> these guys just graduated. And so Nebuchadnezzar is having dreams, it doesn't say singular dreams, so this could be taken several ways, what would you think? He had dreams, but Daniel only interprets one, so what would that mean? A
1: dream.
0: Could have had the same dream over and over and over again, or another way to think about it, he could have just been daydreaming, and kind of in a constant state of daydreaming. Now what was he daydreaming about? We, we read it just a minute. What's he daydreaming about? Remember when Daniel goes to interpret this dream? during 228? About the future. About the future. That's what he was dreaming about, right? I'm trying to find it exactly. Oh, Oh, twenty-nine. As for you, O King, two twenty-nine. As for you, O King, while you were on your bed, your thoughts turned to what would take place in the future. So he was dreaming about what's what's my kingdom going to become, and what's going to happen happen after me. So that's what he's thinking about. So he's probably just daydreaming about <coughs> these things, and he has this vision that is very troubling to him. Troubling enough that that night, when he goes to lay down to sleep, he can't. And so he's very agitated. He's anxious to know what this dream really means. So we get into this thing. And the king gave orders to call all the magicians and conjurers and sorcerers and Chaldeans. to Tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. So this is the whole gamut of all the wise people except for those who just graduated. Because Daniel is not in this group. Even though, when compared to everybody else and when asked questions, he gave... Advice ten times better than anybody else. So he's still a nobody. But the king knows who he is, but he's not there. Okay? For whatever reason, Daniel is not there. So these guys all come in and stand before the king. So they, this is a high calling. The king said to them, I had a dream and my spirit is anxious to understand the dream. Right? So he wants to know what this dream means. And that all sounds very reasonable. And these guys ask a reasonable question. It says, Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king and Aramae, O king, live forever. Tell the dream to your servants, and we will declare the interpretation. Now they're pretty confident, right? So maybe they've done this before. And you know, Nebuchadnezzar blessed them because of it. Otherwise he probably wouldn't have called them all back. Because right? you can see how harsh his penalty is if they can't do it. So they've been through this routine before since he King, Live forever. Just tell us your dream and we'll give you the interpretation. Now a very interesting thing happens here in the actual writings by Daniel. The language changes. In the middle of this verse, the language changes. It changes from Hebrew, which is what the first opening chapter was written in, up to verse 4 of chapter 2, and then it stays this way all the way through 728, which is the last verse of of chapter 7, and it's written in Aramaic. Now Aramaic is similar to Hebrew, but it's not Hebrew. So why do you think that in the middle of this verse and now for the next five chapters, almost six, then Daniel wrote the the manuscript in Aramaic and not in his native Hebrew well,
2: it says the Chalians spoke to the king in Aramaic right
0: so they, they spoke in Aramaic so he had to write at least that part right But maybe this
2: is a matter of public record
0: ok but why would he write in Aramaic for part of the book and not for the whole book Because, by the way, Aramaic, at this time, is the language of the Nations. It's like English is today. Everybody has their own language, but most of them can speak English also. Okay, that's how Aramaic was. Everybody had their own language, but most everybody could speak Aramaic. That's the language that they would have been trained in. Similar to Hebrew, but not Hebrew. So why would Daniel write six chapters in Aramaic? Good. Because principally, the book Daniel's to for the, speak to the time of the Gentiles right. uh, versus the Jewish uh, century. Especially in those chapters where he's interpreting the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar, talking about the life of Nebuchadnezzar, talking about the life of his son, the writing on the wall. All of that has to do not with the Jewish nation, but with the nations of the world. And so he writes in their language in Aramaic. So they can understand what he wrote. Now, clearly Daniel can understand it because he's been trained for three years in the same language. So he can write in it with no trouble. But interesting little twist that Daniel does that in the middle of the book. And he changes back after chapter 7. So, but you're right. It's because of the focus of those chapters is not on the Jewish nation. It's not on the kingdom of God. It is mainly on the kingdoms of the world. And so he writes in the language of those people. All right, so this is a, a reasonable request that these guys have before the king, right? Tell us your dream, and we'll tell you what it means. But not so much. The king says, then, uh, the king replies, <coughs> verse 5 to the Chaldeans: the command from me is firm. <coughs> you, you're not listening to me. I mean like this. The command from me is firm. If you do not matter to me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb and your houses will be made of rubbish. Really. So, I listen, I don't want you to interpret my dream. I want you to tell me what I dream. And then tell me what it means. This is pretty unreasonable. Right? This is, this is an unreasonable request from the king. And by the way, if you don't do it, I'm going to rip your arms and legs off. <laughs> and not only that, I'm going to make your house a rubbish heap, which means I'm going to kill your wife and all your children and tear your house down. So you either tell me the dream and what it means, or I'm going to rip you from them from them, and I'm going to kill your whole family and tear your house down. So that's pretty severe. would you say?
1: I'm not sure Wise Man is a job that I would want. But
0: he's the king. He can do whatever he well pleases. Right? He's been the king for three years. He can do whatever he wants to. This is is unreasonable, over the top. Go ahead. I I kind of get the sense
2: when reading this, because of what he says down in um, (coughs) verse 9, that he doesn't trust him in the first place.
0: Okay, that, that would be a good question, right? Of why does he make them tell him the dream instead of him telling them the dream? Why why would he do that? Well,
2: that would prove that they actually are performing this feat.
0: Yeah, if someone can tell you what you dream, then you can sure bet that their interpretation is right, right? That's what he's me. If I can tell you what you dreamed last night. Then whatever I say after that, you're going to believe me, because I know your dreams, and so that's why he's te- that's why he's saying that he doesn't trust them. I mean, he goes on and says, "Hey, you guys are all conspiring to lie against me."
2: Go ahead. There's also something quantifiably <coughs> different in this dream; it's, it's troubling him in a way that none of his other dreams have, it's right. much like the Pharaoh in Genesis. And Daniel tells us at the end of this that it's because the God of heaven has given you this. It's the same way in which we can read the ancient Babylonian literature and things like that, and there's something quantifiably different about scripture. And so it bothered him in a way that he knew he couldn't trust his advisors, and he knew he was hearing something that was not man from
0: man. Pretty cool. And this is a evil, heathen king who God used to judge Jerusalem and tear down the temple It's Solomon built and yet God has given him a vision that no man on the planet has ever had. <coughs> and he's given to Daniel to it. God's setting up perfectly what he wants to accomplish. So, this unreasonable, this threat, and then verse 7, well, he goes on and he says, by the way, if you can declare in verse 6, the dream and its interpretation, you will receive from me gifts and a reward and great honor. Therefore declare to me the dream and its interpretation. So now he's tempting them. Mm-hmm. Right? But just think about it. If you guess and you get it wrong, <laughs> <laughs> the same thing is going to happen to you. It's going to tear you in one way. Then you'll be the first. So then the guy's answer, and this is a reasonable answer, they answered a second time and said, let the king tell the dream to his servants and we will declare the interpretation. I mean, that is a reasonable statement from these wise men who are (laughs) tenfold less than Daniel in his friends. Okay, and the king says, you're not hearing me. The king replied, verse 8, I know for certain that you are bargaining for time inasmuch as you have seen The command from me is firm. I'm not changing my mind on this. You're not listening to me. Verse 9. That if you do not make the dream known to me, there is only one decree for you. And what is that? Death. 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 In a horrible way. (laughs) Death. right. There's only one decree. For you have agreed together to speak lying and corrupt words before me until the situation is changed. And what he's saying is, it's not going to change. Mm -hmm. This is firm. I'm not changing my decree. I'm going to tear you apart if you don't tell me my dream. Therefore, tell me the dream that I may know that you can declare to me its interpretation. There it is, right? Why does he want them to tell him his dream? Because then he'll trust their interpretation. I tell you my dream, you'll just make something up. But if you tell me the dream, then I know you really know what you're talking about. So they the wisdom of the king. Okay, and he's got all these magicians and sorcerers who then cry out in verse 10, The Chaldeans answered the king and said, There is not a man on earth who could de- declare the matter for the king inasmuch as no great king or ruler has ever asked anything like this of any magician or conjurer or Chaldean. True statement. Absolutely true. There's nobody on earth who can do this. Nobody. Well, Daniel does it, but only because God gives it to him. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that next time. But so these, you can see these magicians and all. Um, they have no way out. They're going to die no matter what. They're, they're in an impossible situation, and Daniel and his friends would be in an impossible situation. Because they would be included in this group. So unless God intervenes in the human history, these guys are all going to die. It's that simple. Because the king has demanded an impossible task. Something that no man could do. That's a, re- that's a true statement. No man can tell you what you dream. So they have nothing to do They and so they keep talking. They say, moreover, the thing which the king demands is difficult. No kidding. Right? No kidding. And there is no one else who could declare it to the king except for gods who do not dwell among flesh. So now they're saying, you know, in their belief, and this is what Daniel and his friends have been trained, that there are myriads of gods. And they live in places in that men don't go. And they could do this, but they're not here. And we can't do this, is basically what they're saying. We don't have any gods in the crowd because they don't dwell among flesh. So these guys are in an impossible situation. And in verse 12, the king does exactly what he said he was going to do. So the king became indignant, like, You're not listening to me. This is not optional. You've got to tell tell me the dream and its interpretation. And then he becomes furious, right? He became indignant and then furious and gave orders to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So here you got the cream of the crop, all before the king. And there's some that have just graduated that are part of this group but not present. And he's going to kill them all. So who's going to be left to help him? Or to be in his court? Or to be his personal advisors? He didn't care. was in the 40s? Those in the 40s? The curve would increase, right? So... The king does exactly what he told him he was going to do. And we'll see this next week. They go and they go find Daniel. Because it's not just going to include these guys. It's going to include anybody who would be grouped into this group of wise men, sorcerers, magicians. And so they go to search and find Daniel and his three friends. And they find them. And that's where the plot difference, right? So we'll come to that part next week. And, and what Daniel does and what his friends do is so astounding. Because I doubt that many people would approach it like they did. I mean, they didn't really get killed. Now, they don't have families so or you know, houses, so they're, that's not going to be torn down and to made rubbish. But they themselves are going to be torn and from rubbish and so they're in the same situation as everybody else, but their response is not the same as everybody else's. That's what we'll
1: look at next time. Thoughts? Yeah, it's like the way how God uses Daniel. Yeah. I mean, the whole purpose of this is to show how awesome he is. That's right. I mean, uh, God is, when, uh, through, actually, Isaiah, it says that that's, it's for my name's sake. Right. So you just showing through the uh, Babylonian, that the God that Daniel served is above all gods. And the cool
0: thing about it is Daniel gets that. Daniel gets that and says it repeatedly through this book. He understands that it's not because of anything that
1: he's done. You think that, you know, in, chapter, in actually verse uh, 1 and 8, that Daniel made up his mind, yeah. and it says, God always honors those who are him. And uh, he's like, okay, I made my mind. I'm going to serve him. I'm not going to do what the other people did. And God blessed them and uses them through that.
0: I agree, totally. And that's what's happening here. But realize, there's been a lot of people who honor God for their lives through history who got killed because of
1: it. Yes, right. so, but he gets honor, so they get honor. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. But it doesn't always go good. <laughs> it can go bad for you in a human way of thinking. Never in God's realm. you said Daniel gets it, I and mean, we we understand that. But Nebuchadnezzar didn't get it. No, no, not at all. But we know from future chapters and all that part of the God's plan
1: is pulling Nebuchadnezzar into interaction with him yeah. and
0: learning who he is and declaring his glory. Yeah, and I mean, this is the beginning of that. Absolutely. And Nebuchadnezzar, at first, does not get it. Right until God humbles him. And then he gets in later. You know, Much later. Yeah. later <laughs> after he grazes like a cow. Yeah, years. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll see all that. Go ahead. Just a general information question. Why didn't you write the whole thing in there? Because a lot of it is about God's kingdom and about God's people and the restoration that will come. And so that, that he wrote in Hebrew. But when he's talking about just the nations and all the the nations and the sequence of nations that's gonna come Aramaic. So and ultimately we'll have to ask Daniel why he did that, right? why did you just write part of it? why did you split that verse in the middle, by the way?
2: Go ahead. I was just gonna say um, when you think about Daniel I think about uh, Proverbs chapter three I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter two, that these the verses in Proverbs chapter 2 must have just echoed in his heart, because he says, "Um, My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make make your ear attentive to wisdom and incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and He preserves the way of His godliness. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity in every good course. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things. You know, I can just hear him reciting those things to himself. You know, trusting in the Lord and His goodness and His graciousness knowing that, you know, he, you know, these four guys walked in their integrity and their understanding of what the scripture, and I think God is blessing them, he is doing what he has promised to do here in, in Proverbs.
0: Yeah, Daniel, in his role in the Babylonian society and the kingship, um, had access to all those ancient scrolls. I mean, you can see him later, he's reading Jeremiah's words Jeremiah wrote. Right? So he has access to these documents that most people don't have access to and couldn't read if they did have access to. It. But Daniel can't. Because God has orchestrated his life in such a way that he's full of knowledge and he's full of capability because of his education that most people wouldn't have had. And so in a very, very unique way, God orchestrates the, situation, the situations of Christians and of Daniel personally to be able to give us this book. This is not just by coincidence or accident.
2: Good. Um, I, I don't know if this is a translation difference or not, but um, <laughs> is, are the magicians, enchanters, and sorcerers in a different um, group than the wise men? Or
0: I, I would not make that distinction. <coughs> so these are all the most capable guys in the way. Okay. And some are magicians, and some are astronomers, and some are sorcerers, and different titles, maybe different things that they did typically. But these are the wise guys. If anybody's going to be able to answer this, these are the guys.
2: Okay. I was just a little confused, because I don't really understand why Nebuchadnezzar would have any reason to distrust them if they were... Good to him up to this point.
0: They're trying to save their I mean, I see that now, but I was, I was just double checking
2: if there weren't a distinction between
0: the two. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think these have just been. If anybody's going to answer it, I'll bring them They'll all together These again. guys. Okay. And by the way, if nobody can answer it, I'll just kill them all <laughs> and start
1: over. They probably didn't have a perfect track record. That no, no, so, no. Right? Yeah. no, no, I would imagine so, right? Since
0: they would just be making stuff up. Yeah. yeah. No probably suck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can <you> live forever. He's
1: surrounded
0: by syncopants. What can you say? a fancy yes word yet. for people who just yes,
1: do it for what they want out of King. Sure, Period. And he wasn't a stupid man.
0: No, well, just tell me your dream and I'll give you a simple approach. Yeah, sure, yeah. no problem. Not so much as nice. well,
1: Being king is a tenuous place anyway. I mean, you have... Historically, you, know, you just got to constantly watch
0: out for somebody's bouncing around and trying you to you. just got to watch out for your own children. Yeah. That's what he's probably going to try and kill you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, Nebuchadnezzar did not kill his dad. He died as a natural death, and Nebuchadnezzar succeeded. And I think, I mean, it goes back to,
1: the, I'm just
0: thinking in light of
2: what we talked about last week. Daniel's still, what, 15, 18 years old? Yeah. This is all happening. So, I mean, yeah. we'll put it in light of all that.
1: He blows it
0: up Yeah, he's still a boy in the surrounded by men. Yeah, you know, I mean he is. He's he's he could be as young as, you know, like fourteen. He's he's not old, he's young. Very, very young. What else? Anything? Thanks for that. time.